Welcome to the About Seth podcast, where we're talking all things Seth Godin. Today, I'm sharing with you part four of my breakdown of my favorite bits from Tribes by Seth Godin, subtitled, We Need You to Lead Us. Tribes is a book about the new world of small, connected, motivated groups that want to work together to create a movement. There are tribes everywhere, and they're all looking for leadership. You are a leader. We need you. Now, if you haven't listened to parts one, two, or three, that's fine. This book is written in small little sections, so you can listen to this independently. But I'd say go check them out. It's a great book, I'd say. If you'd like to grab a copy of Tribes for yourself, head to aboutseth.com slash books, or if you'd like to download a free version of the free ebook Seth created based on Tribes called How to Sell a Book, head to aboutseth.com slash free. As always, because this is written in short little sections, I'm going to pick my favorite section, give you the title, and give you the best bits from that little section. The Peter Principle. Dr. Lawrence Peter famously proposed that in a hierarchy, every employee tends to rise to his level of incompetence. That means that when you do a great job, you get promoted, and you keep getting promoted until you end up in a job that you can't handle. Seth reframes this principle as, in every organization, everyone rises to the level at which they become paralyzed with fear. The essence of leadership is being aware of your fear and seeing it in the people you wish to lead. No, it won't go away, but awareness is the key to making progress. When you are leading a tribe, a tribe that you belong to, the benefits increase, the work gets easier, and the results are more obvious. That's the best reason to overcome the fear. Worth criticizing. A remarkable idea or product or service is like a purple cow. Brown cows are boring, they're everywhere, but purple cows are worth mentioning. Those ideas spread, those organizations grow. Today, it's all about creating purple cows. Here's the marketing math. Ideas that spread win. Boring ideas don't spread. So boring organizations don't grow. Working in an environment that's static is no fun. Even worse, working for an organization that is busy fighting off change is horrible. So why haven't you launched as many purple cows as you'd like? Fear of failure is overrated. If you work for someone, then more often than not, the cost of failure is absorbed by the organization, not by you. What people are afraid of isn't failure, it's blame, criticism. We choose not to be remarkable because we're worried about criticism. Sometimes, criticism doesn't need to be as obvious as, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen, or what a waste of money. The fear of hearing, I'm surprised you launched this without doing more research, is enough to get many people to do a lot more research, to study something to death and then kill it, because hey, at least you didn't get criticized. Fear of criticism is a powerful deterrent, because the criticism doesn't actually have to occur for the fear to set in. Watch a few people get criticized for being innovative 
And it's pretty easy to convince yourself that the very same thing will happen to you if you are not careful. The challenge is this. There will soon be an opportunity to be either boring or remarkable. When that time comes, answer these two questions. One, if I get criticized for this, will I suffer any measurable impact? Will I lose my job, get hit upside the head with a softball bat, or lose important friendships? If the only side effect of the criticism is that you'll feel bad about the criticism, then you have to compare that with a bad feeling with the benefits that you'll get from actually doing something worth doing. Being remarkable is exciting, fun, profitable, and great for your career. Feeling bad wears off. And then, once you've compared that bad feeling with the benefits, and you've sold yourself on taking the remarkable path over the boring one, then answer this question. Question two, how do I create something that critics will criticize? Should they build a statue of you? How much ego is involved in being a leader? Great leaders aren't doing it for glory. They do it to help. They're generous. They exist to help the tribe find something to enable the tribe to thrive. But most, the most powerful way to achieve this is to be statue-worthy by getting out in front, by making a point, by challenging convention and by speaking up. Those brave acts and bravery beget statues. Great leaders are able to reflect the light onto their teams and their tribes. Great leaders don't want the attention, but they use it. They use it to initiate and instigate the tribe and to reinforce that sense of purpose. Tighter. The first thing a leader should focus on is tightening the tribe. While we immediately think we should be making the tribe bigger, the effects of a tighter tribe are far greater. If the tribe can communicate quickly and more effectively, it will thrive. A tighter tribe is more likely to hear its leader and more likely to coordinate action. Spreading the word and getting more members may seem appealing, but a tighter tribe should be ultimately your goal. Discomfort. Leadership is scarce because few people are willing to go through the discomfort required to lead. This scarcity makes leadership valuable. If everyone tried to lead all of the time, then not much happens. It's discomfort that creates the leverage that makes leadership worthwhile. It's uncomfortable to stand up in front of strangers. It's uncomfortable to propose an idea that might fail. It's uncomfortable to challenge the status quo. It's uncomfortable to resist the urge to settle. When you identify the discomfort, you've found the place where a leader is needed. If you're not uncomfortable in your work as a leader, it's almost certain that you're not reaching your potential as a leader. Followers. Every tribe needs followers too. People who aren't just willing to follow, but are eager to follow. People who mindlessly follow instructions let you down because firstly, you're not going to do the local leadership required when tribe members interact because they'll be so busy following the playbook that they'll hesitate in engaging in the interactions that make a tight tribe. And secondly, because they're not going to do a very good job at recruiting new members to join your tribe. If you consider any vibrant group, 
It's the evangelistic micro-leaders in the trenches and their enthusiastic followers who make the difference. That, that's the end of part four of my breakdown of tribes. We're halfway there. Four more parts to come. Join me for part five as I break down that micro-movement even further. Thank you for listening to the About Seth podcast. I hope you learned something along the way. I strongly urge you to check out more Seth Godin. You could either buy one of his books, check out one of his TED Talks, or subscribe to his daily blog. Or go to aboutseth.com.